Yeah, well, the last time we chatted, it was part of my retirement tour. So, uh, oh, and, okay. And to be fair, even on that show, we were talking about coming back and doing the uh, the special But All of America Origins special, which will someday happen, But All Origins, when I do the 23 and Me thing. So uh, okay, that's, <laughs> that's still on the drawing board. But little did we know a couple of years ago that we'd be back and we'd be talking about this. Before we sort of dive right in uh, to catch the folks up who are just tuning in tonight, haven't, haven't met Dr. Tyler Koch John yet, give us a little bit of your background, your bio, um, and, you know, and, and what you bring to the table here for a conversation about this crazy situation we're in. Sure. I'm a Ph.D., microbiologist. I went to Loyola University of Chicago. And uh, when I began in this field, I actually started working with uh, viruses, human cancer viruses. And so I took those guys apart. We cloned some genes, tried to figure out basically how they worked. Uh, and so that's how I began my career. Uh, then I shifted over to uh, viruses that infect bacteria because there's lots of them. And actually looked at uh, quite a bit of time, spent quite a bit of time looking at how they affect the uh, ecology of bacteria. It turns out uh, over the years that people have figured out, not just me, but others, uh, have figured out that, in fact, uh, the uh, uh, ecology probably of the whole planet, to some extent, is driven by uh, viruses. The microbes are very important in terms of fundamental processes of oxygen release, nutrient cycling in the oceans, and, and they, the bacteria, are controlled by viruses. So we literally live in a world, a sea of viruses. And so we've got a new one that uh, affects humans, and this one's called the coronavirus, and that's become basically the, uh, the scary cause of the moment. Yeah. Now, uh, we're going to, like, I guess let's start at the, kind of the beginning here uh because they call it the novel coronavirus so sort of clear this up for me and they call it covid 19 uh, i've since learned now that the 19 is because it came about in 2019 so uh you know for people so we can sound smart now that we're all locked in our homes for the next few weeks uh what what is <laughs> so is the is the coronavirus like, uh, there, there are other coronaviruses, and so this is like a new one. So what's the novel part of novel coronavirus? And I, I, already, I already taught folks about the 19 part, but what is the, what is, what, is, what, is, what is the meaning of this COVID? What does this COVID mean? Okay. Well, that's, that's actually a very good question because a lot of people are using the terms. Uh, there's a, a specific uh, shorthand name for that, the virus in question right now which is SARS-CoV-2, and that stands for basically Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, uh, and then coronavirus, COV, and then 2 is the new one. Uh, so uh, there's, a, there's a SARS, basically, coronavirus. That was the first one. But your question is a good one. COVID-19 is the name for the disease. And when they recognize mm -hmm. that what we're seeing, this new form of pneumonia, very severe pneumonia, was caused by a novel coronavirus. They called it COVID-19. That's the disease. The actual virus designation is slightly different, but we use them interchangeably. And if you talk to people, mostly they understand. If you say COVID-19, uh, that's the, the new one. But your other question about what's the coronavirus, there have been uh, several 
that had been known for a while. And so there were uh, actually the first one, the first coronavirus in humans, there's lots of them in animals, lots of them. But the first human coronaviruses were found in a child with a cold in 1965. And they looked at it under the electron microscope and it had this strange structure, kind of a, a round thing with blebs on the outside, a crown. And so that's what it's called. Oh, like all the, like all the uh, sort of like all the stock pictures that you see. So that's really what it looks like. It really does. You know, it like really the stock. So okay, the, okay, yeah. Well, the second they saw it, they knew it was something unique. And so, anyway, it turns out that over the years, they've discovered four coronaviruses of humans that cause common colds, probably pretty frequently in kids. And so a lot of people have had those. SARS, severe acute respiratory syndrome, first appeared in 2002 in China. And by 2003, it was a worldwide epidemic with a fierce fatality rate. But it doesn't infect people as well as the coronavirus, uh, the modern one or the new one today. Uh, and it died out uh, with the onset of warm weather. It, it vanished, went almost extinct. We can come back to that caveat in a moment, almost extinct. Um, but that one was, uh, uh, came from civet cats and other animal res uh, reservoirs, uh, maybe from a live meat market in China, and leaked into humans. And, uh, and that caused a, a worldwide epidemic of disease, 800 deaths, about 8,000 total cases, 800 deaths. The new guy is, where are we, 100,000-plus cases. I don't even know how many fatalities and counting. But, indeed, it is uh, the seventh known coronavirus uh, of humans. And uh, the other um, one that people may have heard of is called MERS, for Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. That mm -hmm. one is believed to have maybe come out of camels. And it's pretty deadly, but it doesn't seem to, to have caused the big outbreaks that we've seen before, although it caused a real mess in Korea uh, a couple seasons ago. So that's, that's what we've had for human coronaviruses until this guy came along. And this one is going to set the record for a total number of cases in mayhem. There's no doubt about it. Okay, yeah, I've got the, uh, I think it's who website here on my uh yeah i've got the who uh tracker on my on my desktop right now so we're at 136,895 cases confirmed as of uh this evening i think uh right when we started the show uh and 5077 deaths so and, it, and it's been found now in 123 countries areas or territories with uh uh yeah 100, 123 countries areas or territories they found it in um let me Continuing with the origins of this, uh, you, you kind of like dispelled my skepticism with your background talk just now on the coronavirus part, because uh, it, this got so big that like it, it, you almost forget sort of how it all started in a sense. And I just remember when we were first hearing about this, because uh, now everyone's just trying to deal with it. No one really is looking at what's how this all started but like this story was that it came from a food market in china and someone ate a bat and it was just like a lot of it seemed kind of like very urban legendy um and uncertain and, and maybe that is the case maybe uh you know maybe it sort of started that way and they haven't had the time yet to go back and track this thing back fully so i mean what do we know about how this came about and where i said that you kind of 
dispelled my skepticism. Well, apparently that's possible because, like, when I heard that, I'm like, oh, come on. They eat all kinds of shit over there. Like, why would the the one time they – like, how how – how they get this just from eating a bat? That's that's like I mean I'm sure that whoever got it originally wasn't the only person eating bats at the place that day. So, um, <laughs> you know it's what what are the well, how 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 does this happen, man? How did how did this happen? You know, uh, well let me let me add to your doubts. Okay, that that's what we're going to do right now. Uh, it's interesting that, oh. that you put the finger on bats because they seem to be a prime reservoir for these coronaviruses, perhaps the ultimate reservoir. But uh, what we have are correlations, some past events like SARS 2002, 2003, where we had a live meat market, civet cats being strongly implicated uh, as the source basically of the first human infections. This one uh, was from a, a region of China known as Wuhan. And uh, it, it was quickly traced to the area around uh, what they call a wet market, excuse me, <clears throat> where people uh, traffic in and produce and, and prepare live animals for consumption. It was, I think, uh, officially conveyed to the World Health Organization by Chinese scientists that they had discovered a new disease caused by a novel coronavirus December 31st. And on January 1st this year, 2020, we had our first death, confirmed death. But that's, that's where it seems that the first epicenter of severe disease and a cluster of cases that alerted people something was going on occurred in Wuhan, China, in the vicinity of this market. Now, that's a correlation. And, of course, people have learned from SARS that animals might be involved. And so they've immediately gone back and searched the animals. Now, I don't know if you have looked, but sometimes you hear about pangolins, scaled anteaters. Yeah, yeah, I was going to bring that up, that, uh, that, that, like, I saw other articles that were, like, talking about how the pangolin was being, uh, you know, uh, scapegoated to, to mix be. animal, yeah, to, to turn this into a menagerie, <laughs> yeah, that the, that the, that the pangolin was being scapegoated uh, as the source of the coronavirus. Um, so, so is that, that possible still could be pangolin, though? It is possible. The, uh, the first studies, though, have fallen into a state of being discredited because they looked at one gene and they found some similarities, uh, virus to virus. And so uh, they were misled by uh, kind of a, a hit, a fast hit. But on further uh, examination, a more detailed examination, it hasn't held up. And so the problem is that, that, and it's kind of interesting, that it leaves us a gap, that we're not quite sure what the reservoir animal is. Now, I'll remind people back in 2002, 2003, it took us a long time to figure it out, too. But one of the things that could happen is it could very easily have been any one of the animals, uh, that animal was slaughtered, it started the epidemic, and then when they've gone back later, it, the virus may not necessarily be universally present in that animal, let's say a yeah. pangolin. And so you go back now and you can't find it. Okay? So these are possibilities that it's sporadically found, uh, possibly traced back to a bat, you know, if they were uh, storing them at the same place. I don't know if this is feasible or not. But, um, yeah, anything can, can happen here. But one difficulty is scientists are having problems pinning it down. 
We're very yeah. suspicious about the animal market. Uh, but there's some other really, I mean, what this does is this is a prime example of a gap in knowledge that people rush in to fill. And so the conspiracy theories thrive on this. And so we've seen all kinds of florid theories appear to explain this, some of them not very complimentary to people. Yeah, well, that was uh, that that's, was the avenue of discussion that I had here in the notes. It's like the... Uh, I mentioned this on – I did another show, uh, Conspiracy Normal, where we talked a little bit about this last week, and I, I, I heard this on NPR. I was driving around, and it was a lady talking about all this, and she said uh, that – so, like, any time – and I recognize it, too, because I swim in conspiratorial waters. So it was like, any time one of these things happens, uh, immediately it springs up that, like, it came from a secret government lab. So uh, – Yes. You know, could they even ever prove yes. that? Oh, okay. Well, see, the, the, this is interesting. Uh, now, this is something that I, I'm not absolutely positive about, but I've seen people uh, writing, and they say just a block away is, in fact, uh, a research laboratory. And uh, and so maybe, you know, and, and then, then you have to have, like, 16 maybe, if, and then, and then, and then. Uh, if all that occurred, then yeah, okay, perhaps it's a release from a laboratory. I don't subscribe to that. Uh, and yeah. I think if you want to look at it this way, in a very sanguine way, it would really make sense for that laboratory to be studying these coronaviruses as they emerge because you can see we need to know about them. They're a potential menace. Right. And so the lab having them uh, really isn't a big thing. Could it escape? Well, I hate to tell you, there's precedent for this with SARS. Uh, Martin Fomansky yeah. wrote an article a few years ago about laboratory escapes, um, and he was able to document, and it may be more, but what, what he said was no less than three releases from laboratories of the SARS agent. That's documented. And so it is entirely possible. I mean, it's, in, it's within the realm of possibility. I'm not saying that it happened here. What I really don't believe is uh, the uh, bioweapon theory. And that right, one, right, yeah. you know, it depends on which side of the ocean you're on. You know, on one side of the world, it's the Americans released it. On the other side of the world, it's the Chinese released it. Uh, I think yeah. that there's been a lot of finger pointing and I understand uh, some uh, pretty harsh language about, you know, stop trafficking in these theories, but uh, yeah. between the countries. Uh, but anyway, I don't subscribe to it as a weapon because uh, one of the things that is that it's, it's um, pretty inefficient as a killer as an incapacitant, maybe. Okay. But it doesn't, I mean, I just, I don't think that it really was engineered. The other thing that's, uh, interesting is that the sequences reported by the scientists in Wuhan have been very valuable, and everybody's used those to make their detection kits. And what we're finding is that, yeah, you can see clearly there's a relationship. And I think if it was a, a weapon, nobody would tell you, you know, what the heck's going on. And they, they wouldn't uh, have allowed the sequence to be released. That's just me. So... Yeah, but wouldn't they have to kind of, like, cover their ass in a sense? Well, like, if they had the – you think they would keep the – I guess I see what you're saying. If it was a weapon, they would keep yeah. the, the antidote secret, if you will. But, 
Yeah, I, I don't know too. Part of me, yeah, but they'd have to fake like they were doing something, so they would just be like, "We're trying, we just can't figure it out, guys." So, yeah, yeah. I guess they would, uh, would be more like a tense, would be stall very, tactic than anything. Yeah. Well, it would be very well. Easy. And in principle, these are these questions are answerable. You know, you could you could inspect the laboratories, and they could show you what they have, and and you know, the, I'll just tell you that that there's resistance to that uh, in general. Uh, you know, I mean, some of the, the information is probably not what they want out there you know, in terms of what their capabilities are. Uh, yeah. you, you know, there's sensitivities here. But I, I think that the bioweapon, escape bioweapon, or deliberately released bioweapon, I, I don't think so. It's just going to be another impossible to refute myth, like the AIDS uh, yeah. myth in Africa, that it was started by uh, people intent on biowarfare. Uh, you know, I mean, lots of things are, are playing into those, and so they—they're—you will never be able to disprove it, and that's a—that's a problem for these. Yeah, yeah. Well, the—I I suppose the argument against, in my mind, I've, I've become more of a jaded skeptic over the years, Tyler, since I first started getting mixed up in this business. But uh, part, yeah, the part of it too is to me, it's like it's—it's it's like self-destructive in a way. Like they wouldn't necessarily. No, I mean it wreaked pretty much a lot of havoc on China too. So it's it's like it would be a pretty dumb yes. biological weapon like that would, and now it's wreaked havoc on us. So whoever fucking if somebody if somebody decided to use this as a weapon, like it, it was like a like a self destruct button or some shit. It was like a suicide mission uh, of, a, yeah. of a weapon. So seems kind of unlikely that anyone would want to do that. I you know but you know I'm sure. I'm sure all kinds of people will go, could write, well, you don't you get it? It's, of course they would, but, you know, in my mind, I, I just don't see it. Well, I, I would say we'd have to go back and then get into the mindset of the person that uh, released it. If it was a deliberate release, it was really abject stupidity uh, because of the blowback and the implications that, you know, people yeah. dying. That, that. But the other thing is, is we just have to say – uh, with this one, that we understand fully that they intended this, that they were, you know, working with us for uh, malintents. Uh, there's also just a plain accident. The smallpox is, has, you know, popped out a couple of times when it wasn't yeah. expected. So, I mean, we can't discount the, the uh, human accident thing, but I think the bioweapon one, this is a weak one. Okay? I mean, it's not a very okay. good weapon. Yeah. So it's entirely possible this is a, a, a genuinely natural occurrence. I think that right now, uh, unless there's something huge that comes out from an informant or whistleblower or something, that's the, the most economical explanation for what we're seeing. And there's precedent for it. We've seen, we've seen SARS, exactly. we've seen MERS. These are related. Uh, this one doesn't have anything exceptional about it, as I understand it. And I'll wait for my colleagues to weigh in that shows that it was engineered in in any way. So now, what does seem exceptional is like I guess. Oh, let me see where I want to go. Is I, I don't want to jump necessarily in this almost right where we're at now. So this. So I guess. So what the hell happened here, dude? Because <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Hearing about this kind of like toward the middle of January, and now here we are in the middle of March, just two months later, uh, and it's become like, you know, it's a global concern. 
And back then it was like it just popped up. So how it, it st- how did this get so big so fast? What, what went wrong here? You know, uh, you know, because at first everybody was just hearing about. It, it it was just a a Chinese problem. It was like, oh, weird. They got a weird disease. It just, you know. And then next thing you know, it was like, oh shit. It's is this particularly contagious more than anything more than these other diseases? Because over the years we've heard about these things, and they never they never reach the I don't know the terror level, let's say, of of what we're experiencing right now. Uh, you know, like Zika and H one N one, and even the SARS thing. Like none of them. Uh, none of them ever ever had the kind of impact that this is having. So, w- what makes this so special uh, that that this is that it has come to this? It's uh, that's a very good question. Uh, part of what we're seeing is the impacts of globalization and the fact that we move so many people and so many goods across the entire world now that these agents have a much more freer passage. I'll tell you with the 2009 H1N1, the pandemic strain, when that first appeared, people were really frightened. And the reason was that it looked like it was going to be deadly. When it looked like it had the classic hallmarks of a pandemic, which is a herald wave towards the end of the, of the winter, and then spring it dies out, and then it comes roaring back in the fall. And uh, we, it was uh, panic city. In fact, the flu vaccines were already in prep and uh, the order went out, stop that, prepare for the pandemic. And uh, it did hit, but as you said, it didn't have the punch that we thought it would, although it was pretty hard on kids, the H1N1 2009 But others, SARS 2002, People have forgotten that that one uh, caused quite a sensation, and it traveled across the world uh, from yeah, China to Yeah, I remember it was big to in Taiwan. Toronto, right? Wasn't it, like, big in Toronto? Yes, it was, and, yeah. and people were surprised by that. But, again, it's, it's a traveler came in. The other thing about the 2002 SARS is that the fatality rate is pretty hefty, uh, but its ability to infect is nowhere near what influenza, ordinary influenza can do, or this new guy, which looks very effective. So what we have in this particular situation is an agent that's uh, pretty nasty, okay, uh, and uh, quite infectious. It's probably on the order in terms of raw infective power of a pandemic strain of influenza. Those tend to be pretty good because people aren't immune to them. And uh, mm-hmm. not quite as powerful as measles and chickenpox. Not a true respiratory infection, which is the only thing that's saving us right now, believe me. But this guy's got the, the one-two punch. It's tough. Very few people are immune to it. And it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good at getting us uh, person to person. So, and we've moved it around the world quickly. But, yeah, you're, it's interesting. In the space of basically uh, two months' time, we've gone from a hoax to a national emergency today. That's quite yeah. fascinating. That's what made me break the glass and get the banana of America out of the uh, out of the emergency <laughs> box here. Yeah, well, I'm national emergency, uh, Tyler. It's pretty wild. So is it? So it's sort of what the problem is in a sense, just the sheer speed that this thing is growing. Like in comparison to these other things, to these other diseases that that we've seen in the past, because this seems like, uh, you know, I see 136,000. That's like what over two and a half months. Is that pretty like exceptional? 
No, it, it is not. Okay. What we're the thing is that we have is there are so many unknowns. What we have that's the number of confirmed cases and severe cases. If you think about the infectious disease sort of structure, it's a pyramid, and that's the top yeah. of the pyramid. Down below that. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So it's probably, all the other people who might. Yeah. Yeah, and, and probably honestly. It masqueraded as ordinary flu. And, and for a while, there was no reason to even think that there was anything going on. Uh, but what we don't know is how prevalent it is, what the true incidence is in, in the population in the U.S. and even in China. We're working on it. But, uh, yeah. And the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that uh, the death rate of this thing, the case fatality rate in technical terms, is not clear. And it will not be for quite some time. These are estimates, but the best estimate is that this is a, a virus that very few adults are going to have immunity to, and is pretty damn potent. Okay, so case fatality rate, 1%, if we're lucky. Uh, what's going on in Italy right now seems to be higher than that. What's going on in China seems to be maybe in the middle of, of between 1 and, and 3. It's not clear. Uh, but that is uh, pretty potent. So, I don't know, you hear people talk about, oh, it's just like the flu, you know. That's what I was going to ask uh, you, yeah. So, what, what, so, what, you know, so what is what is the difference then to those people? Because, uh, I mean, it's not like we're going to really convince, maybe we'll convince like two people listening. But, <laughs> you know, but, but who, to the people there who are still just throwing their hands up and going, ah, it's just the flu, like what, what is the answer to that? Well, hey, you want to go through the numbers? Let's, let's do that. This is, as a professor, this is what I always do with my students. I start to jack them around, right? So if you, if sure. you take a look, and there's a CDC website that gives you influenza data estimates. And uh, I can give you that uh, link if you want to look at it. But uh, right now, for this particular season, which is Midland, it's neither the worst, okay, by a wide margin, nor is it necessarily a particularly mild one. But we would look at, at this stage, we've got about 40 million people infected or ill with the disease, influenza right now, 450,000 hospitalizations, and around at this point and counting, 35,000 deaths. These are our flu deaths are actually kind of hard to figure out because it takes a while for the typical person to die. And so yeah. this is kind of in progress. But what we think right now is 35,000 people have lost their lives to the flu. And that comes out to 0.08%. And so the argument is, well, yeah, look, 99% of the people make it. You know, what's, right. what's your problem? And one of the things that you have <laughs> well, to Well, a million learning, people get it. That's like, <laughs> that's the problem. Well, see, yeah, you're getting there. You're getting there. I'm going to pull the rug right out from under you right now. All we right. have those numbers with influenza. That's not showing us what influenza can really do. We've not let influenza work as it wants to or would naturally for 50 years around here. And what we do is we vaccinate people. We know the season right, is coming. Right, that's true, yeah. We, take, yeah, that's we true. get the, the really, really uh, people who would be badly affected, get as many of them immune to it as we can or to the highest degree of immunity that we can instill in them before the virus finds them. The other thing that we have is Anti-flu agents, Tamiflu, Relenza, Paramavir, those are very effective. That can salvage a person who's dying of the flu. So we can, we can save them. 
we have now intensive care, respiratory therapy, respiratory uh, support that can keep people alive so that they can recover. We're not going to have this, okay, if uh, right. coronavirus gets going. All right, so if you look that's at the, coronavirus. That's exactly what you're saying. So there, that the numbers people quote and cite when they talk about the flu is with already us having sort of like rigged the board in our best interests, you know, to protect Absolutely. all the people. Yeah, so the deaths and yeah. shit you get from the flu are from the people who are already on just the unprotected population. Possibly, uh, and some people can't be protected. If you want to see what the flu can really do or what's going to happen here, look at the nursing home in Washington State. Uh, those yeah. places are just they're disaster areas waiting to be struck. But the thing that, that you're, you're absolutely right in terms of the numbers, this is a classic, looking at the influenza, seasonal influenza, and as somebody might say, it's a rigged game, all right? It's not really informative. This is an apples and oranges logic error, okay, because with coronavirus, no antivirals, right, nothing, no vaccines, no pre-prep, no protection. This thing is going to come, and it's going to rage unless we stop the chain of transmission. And if we don't do that, this is what people are talking about, dampening the curve, okay, or slowing the rate. Uh, yeah, yeah, damp important. the curve. That's what everyone's saying now. Yeah, damp the curve. That's what the kids so are saying. So what we about. have, if, if you think about it, um, with the, um, the situation that we have uh, with the hospitals, go back to the flu numbers. We'll cheat again. 40 million infected with seasonal flu. All right. If 10% of the coronavirus cases, we're going to assume, we're going to make the most magnificently optimistic, I guess, uh, uh, assumptions possible, it'll do like mm-hmm. the flu. So 40 million cases, 10% serious. It could be more than that. 4 million people needing hospitalizations, 10 times what we have now. We right. can't handle the surge that these people will come to the hospital and there won't be ventilators. There won't be intensive care. Everything will be occupied. We're talking about, they were saying on the news, you know, the hospitals are going to have to do triage. No, they won't, Tim. There won't be any need for it. They'll just send everybody home and via con Dios. That's oh, boy. Well, that's, you know, that's where we're, we're, we're at in a sense here uh, on Friday the 13th in uh, March of 2020. <laughs> it's a very yeah. scary, when, scary situation. More- Oh boy! More. Yeah, you want to you want to really dig down and get the people who are saying, "Oh yeah, it's no big deal." Well, let me tell you, this agent coronavirus looks like it hits, impacts people with cardiovascular uh, malformations, arrhythmias, high blood pressure, any cardiovascular disease. It hits them harder, and it probably leaves them with permanent pathology. Some of them. So what you have is. What is yeah, now? Say that in live. say that in say that in layman's terms, so I can understand what you meant. Because like if a lot you of that have was heart disease, I don't watch Grey's Anatomy. Heart problem. <laughs> How about Big Bang Theory? You got that covered? Uh, I I did. I love that show. That was a great show. Yeah, it is. Uh, I um, okay. If you have heart uh, problems, high blood pressure, arrhythmias, things like this, the coronavirus is going to hit you harder and perhaps leave you permanently disabled. Okay, so that these are called sequelae, the things that come after infections. 
Flu has yeah. a few. Like I heard they said something like that about, about lung lung damage and shit. Uh, tonight they said something like that on the news about how yeah, even yeah. if you seem like you're okay, you might come out of it with lung damage and stuff. You may come out of it not quite the same. So this thing of, oh, yeah, it's only 1%. Now, th- this is going to have a hell of a legacy. Uh, I mean, that's that's the worry that we have. Many of these things won't really truly become clear until we go through a full season. But the no big deal argument, boy, I don't, I don't buy that. I just don't. Well, it's clear that it, uh, it is a big deal because, as I said uh, at the start of the show, you know, we've never seen anything in the decade plus I've been doing this show, and in my entire life, as far as I can remember, short of like a, uh, this is the closest to like a 9/11 situation. I can recall uh, in my lifetime, and 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 a, and a way different animal, um, in a sense that they, the way everything has shut down is is like uh, it's like apocalyptic. It's really unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, is this just the beginning? Just the beginning. Oh boy. And the reason I say that is, um, well, my my grandparents lived through the, the great 1918 flu epidemic. And yeah. actually, my grandfather on my mom's side was in the military. and He got it and uh, didn't go overseas because he was too sick, but he, he was very fortunate to recover. And other people that I talked to, have you ever read the book um, Unbroken by Lauren Hillenbrand? No. About uh, Lou Zamprini? There, there, no, there, no, there's a movie well. about it. The guy... Uh, his name was Stan Pillsbury. He managed to save uh, the mission, save everybody alive. His mother died. He, he's a cousin of a friend of mine. And he used to come here for Christmas until he passed away. Uh, but he, he was hit by the flu as a child. 1919, his mom died. He had to go to an orphanage. Um, and so the, a lot of people were hit really hard, and the legacy followed. You know, Stan made it, but his mom and parents were they weren't able. His dad wasn't able to take care of him anymore, and his mom died. Uh, we, you know, we've forgotten this. With the, the yeah. 1918 flu, we had half a million deaths, over 600,000 actually, in a matter of a yeah. few weeks in September. Just terrible carnage. Wait until people really start to see others get hit by this, and then the fear is going to take hold. And it, I'm, we're hoping. Please, please, God, may this be not what we think it is. But at this stage, the only reasonable thing, in my view, is to look at this and go, this could be really bad unless we really want to be stupid with this. We need to do everything we can to break the chain of transmission, to slow the appearance of these cases so the medical system can handle it without getting completely overwhelmed. If we fail in that, we are going to have... Unbelievable carnage, and that's that's damp, that's dampen the curve, right? That's slow the curve. So that's dampen the curve, yes. So where we're at now, I guess, for folks who were, you know, I, I don't know if you're listening to this sometime in the distant future or something like that. We're we're sitting at 1,264 cases, and uh, we try not to get too political on this, but it it's a, a testament, I guess, to the virality of this disease in a sense uh that uh, the, the president famously said now uh like a month ago well we only have 15 cases and it'll it'll be down to 12 soon well now we're up to 1200 
Um, and the big issue here, too, here in America is uh, there's, like, no tests. Um, but like, do, talk, talk about, <laughs> let's talk about the tests thing, because the test thing is, like, uh, is, is this unreasonable that there aren't, <laughs> uh, that people are mad that there aren't enough tests? Or, like, what the hell's going on? How does South Korea have so many? Why, why can't we get, you know, I know, <laughs> I know you don't pull the levers of, of power, Tyler, but where the hell are all the tests? Well, isn't that interesting that uh, we've been delayed? Uh, we, what they have, as I understand it, what they're rolling out here is it's called real-time PCR. Now, there's also, uh, it has to do a reverse transcriptase test, but they ha- it's pretty sophisticated. Uh, unfortunately, they had some technical gaps. And so some of the things were contaminated. They had to call them back. This particular test uh, is pretty sophisticated because it will give you a positive result. You can watch the, the act, real time refers to watching the signal come up in real time. Uh, but it'll also uh, sort of confirm itself. It has an internal control kind of built into it. But you don't do this like, uh, you know, the pregnancy test kit, okay, at home. This, this yeah. is going to take real machinery, uh, sophisticated machinery, and, and we've got to get those out there. We've got to get that sort of infrastructure up. There's a bottleneck right there, but we've had yeah. technical problems with producing the test. Apparently, we're a little slow on the uptake. The Chinese produced the sequences right away. People have been capitalizing on, on that right away to make these probes. So it was yeah, like how does how, I guess the big the big issue is is like. How did how the hell did South Korea and some of these other countries did they just they, they were just more on the ball on this possible pandemic thing so when they got first wind of it they were like all right let's rush this shit out asap and shut this down you know before it becomes a thing uh, that's a, a certainly one inference that we could make uh, I'll just come back and I ha- I'll tell you honestly. It's very hard for me to say, uh, you know, we failed and they succeeded. One thing you have to keep in mind is that the tests all have failure rates. We talk about uh, parameters called sensitivity and specificity, for example. And so we're assuming that all these tests are equivalently good, you know, and and accurate and everything. Uh, The way that the U.S. test is set up, I know that it will be if they can just get enough of it. But possibly we went another way that was – maybe took a little longer. I just don't know, Tim. I have all kinds of, of suspicions. But don't assume that they're equivalently good. And don't forget, when we start to get tests out there, that there will be false positives and false negatives. And we, we yeah. have to learn to deal with that. So it's, it's I, I don't know, there's a possibility. Let's just put it this way. Whatever the hell went wrong, get your freaking act together now because we are flying blind. We don't know where the hot spots are. It's right, probably right. not uniformly distributed across the country. We need to put the resources where they're needed, and the only way to do that is with testing and lots of it. And we just gotta get this going. You know, I mean, so I'm looking at this and I'm going, I'm glad I'm not in charge of that lab because heads are gonna roll at some point. But you know, hey, maybe in this day and age, yeah, in November, let's gets. hope. In November, yeah, well, let's hope. You know, you could argue a, a lot of things back and forth. And so, yes, uh, nobody could could see this coming. Uh, you know, uh, it, I think, honestly, 
You're seeing them uh, play hot potato with the, the virus, like we're calling it a foreign virus. China is trying to come out with a narrative that it's not really from China, uh, you know, because there's implications to this. You know, get over yourselves. Get the tests out there. We need them so badly. But again, I'm my fear is that, yeah, you can set up tents in front of every CVS and, and Walgreens, uh, but if you don't have the machinery to read the tests, you're not going to get anywhere. So we're going to – we oh, man, first, get the test. Just get something out there so we can see what's going on. I'll tell you in infinitely practical terms, if you're an ER doctor, here's your dilemma. Somebody comes in, they are clearly sicker than a dog with the flu. Now, is that influenza or is it COVID-19? You need to know because you yeah. have to take the appropriate protective measures to be sure, you know, you're doing the right thing. You don't want to overdo it. If you don't need the protective measures, they're a big pain. With an influenza case, you probably don't need the, the really uh, big N95 respirator and all that. Uh, we want to be able to test them. Influenza, we can test, we can see it. And so we can separate them out that way. But to really confirm COVID, we need these tests, and we need it to keep the medical personnel from getting sick. If we lose them, right, right. we're going to fail. If you remember the yeah. Ebola outbreaks, classically what happened there is people rushed for help and the doctors died. Okay, And then uh, yeah, that okay, was yeah. it. So we can't. We just can't repeat those mistakes. We need fast diagnostics, and uh, and we will have to treat everybody with suspicion at the outset. Separate them, but we we, we need to know. I already live. Like, I live my life that way, Tyler. I'll be fine. <laughs> well, so actually, I guess where where we're at now. The the so I guess that's just sort of kind of like bring this around, and so we're we're sort of in a situation here where this thing's. Uh, you know, it's really contagious. We don't have the tests to even know who the fuck has it. So the, the, the only course of action is to shut everything down until we can sort of get a handle on what the hell's going on, in the immortal words of, yeah. uh, of President Trump. And so, you know, one of the things that I would say is we're going to depend very heavily on the cooperation of the public. And one thing that they're telling you is if you're sick, if you have a fever, but you can breathe – you don't feel like you're in imminent danger of expiring, stay home. Don't show up at the emergency department because they won't be able to handle you. We'll yeah. have to have people out there screening folks saying, okay, you go to the left, you go to the right, trying to figure out who's got COVID-19 and who doesn't. But we really need people now to step up and help us. And, and I'm just going to tell you without getting too political we haven't had really good examples from our upper leadership, okay? This thing of, well, I'm not going to be tested, or maybe I will. I'm not really worried. It's a hoax. This is not going to get us where we need to be, you know? And so somebody needs to take away the Twitter, or somebody needs to get a handle on saying, you know, look, you're going to have to be an example to the public. This is part of your job as president. Get on it. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Well, everybody, there's certainly, maybe other people listening have a different opinion, but it certainly feels like we're kind of on our own here. <laughs> we're kind of like, we are. we're kind of happy. We are. You know, and luckily a lot of the state, 
the leaders of the different states have have stepped up and taken a leadership role on this, and and uh, you know, so it's well. I, in a lot of places, people are doing the right thing, so it's not a. Uh, they are. The, 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 it, it, we're, so, you know, we're we're sort of adjusting on the fly to the fact that we're we're on our own. <laughs> so, uh, no, it kind of seems to be what's going on. No, it's it's true, Tim. I I'm not disagreeing, but I'll also tell you that uh, this the action will shift to the states and the governors in particular. Because the uh, the public health emergencies and whatnot are typically done state by state, sometimes region by region by public health authorities. That's a natural shift, and so they're asking yeah. for uh, resources. And until today, they were not really getting them. I'm not even sure if they're going to get Medicaid resources. Right now, what would be really helpful, really helpful, is for businesses to know that if patient, uh, their workers are sick, that if they let them stay home for a week or two weeks that the money will be forthcoming that will allow that to happen. The federal government will fill that breach. What we don't want is for people who are working and, and trapped into showing up when sick because they won't get paid otherwise. Right. We've right. got issues here. We also will have to help with food because a lot of people live really paycheck to paycheck. And so that money's got to come promptly. And it's, we're going to either have to supply them with food or give them vouchers for food. We need that now. We need that yesterday. You know. So, yeah. But anyway, coming back to we're alone, you're, you're right. The local authorities are doing the right things. They see the issues very clearly, uh, and, and it will devolve to them anyway. The, the federal government can, can do a lot, but they can only do so much. And, and at least Right, the they're not on the ground either in a sense. Where, in a sense where I mean we're on our own, where it's like – that that sort of post nine eleven feeling where people were like, "Hey man, we're in this together. We have to, you know, we we have to yeah. join together for the betterment of all of us." You know, I've seen some people say, like the people who were like, "Oh well, it just hurts old people or whatever." It's like, "Fuck you, dude. That's my grandma, <laughs> or that's that's like someone's well, dad, you know, or that's your fucking neighbor. Like, you know, give me a break." Yeah, but. Let me also warn you that this agent is a little unpredictable in terms of, yeah, it's, it's definitely an age-specific hierarchy of risk, but it will, it will kill all across the board. And if you have other debilitations, so uh, let me just ask this. Are you still smoking, Tim? Yes, I am. Okay, you're dead. Anyway. <laughs> uh, this, but this is the thing is that we can't just say, oh, well, it's only old people, although I think that's kind of incredibly callous. Uh, it could right. be. But unless we take steps to uh, really, really uh, protect the, um, the population in general, this is going to be uh, outrageously bad. Okay? And, and yeah. it will be a lot more, I guess, uh, sad than it has to be. So you're right. We're all in this together. We need people to cooperate. We really need people to cooperate and work together on this. Now, I will – I'll throw this out there. This is uh, completely off the uh, reservation in a sense, but one crazy conspiracy theory I've heard is that this is this is like an intentionally released thing, like a bioweapon, because the world governments can't afford this tremendous senior population – so it's like a it's like a depopulation uh, conspiracy. I hope that's yeah, not the yeah, case, but I'm sure that will forever. If this, depending on how the numbers shake out, I'm, I could see people forever sort of like, 
eyeing it with a with a, a suspicious slant, if you will. Well, they always uh, somebody will come up with something, but yeah, I I understand the the rationale for that. Um, you but know, again, the, things get out of control, so it's like who would be crazy enough? <laughs> You'd have to be really crazy to do something like that, because well, you know, yeah, next thing you know, it might come after you. Exactly. You, if you could swim out to Jeffrey Epstein's island and and be secure there and let you know the world fall to its fate, then great. But this is not controllable. So yeah. uh, I I I don't cotton to that one. You know, I don't stick to that one very. Yeah, no, no, no. That's a really far out conspiracy theory. So I, I figured I would just throw okay. it out there because uh, someday people Social will Security's be like, always, "Yeah, it's out there." Social Security is always drawing attention, and one of the things is yeah. that, that people say, "Oh, yeah, but see, when they first, when Roosevelt first came up with it, they set the retirement age at 65, and the average person died at 63. So they knew they were never going to pay up. That's not quite true." Because we have, with Social Security, you have uh, widow's benefits, benefits to dependent children, all those things. So the money actually did. It was used as intended as a social safety net so that people just weren't devastated with the death of a breadwinner. Anyway, um, there's always something you you can come up with for these guys. Now, the other – this is less a conspiracy theory and more just – well, I guess it's supposed to an accidental conspiracy theory, let's say. But uh, what, what about the idea that we get so much stuff is made in China that it may have inadvertently, just from the sheer amount of stuff we get from China, could it have come in through these packages and st- anything, products and stuff we buy from China that are made in China? It, um, the, I don't think uh, – it would depend, first of all, on what you get, Okay. I mean, if you're getting yeah. vacuum-packed pangolin, okay, maybe it survived. But uh, <laughs> I think for most of the stuff uh, shipped overseas, it takes a while. I don't think the virus is going to last. It's pretty tough, but I don't think it can necessarily survive at a high enough rate to reliably infect people uh, overseas. Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. Under the right conditions, maybe it could happen. This is something that, that we can investigate. Uh, but now I think what people are asking uh, about well, you heard the the um, the idea of being a locavore, you know, eating what's grown locally uh, as yeah. of a um, reaction to globalization and uh, not using so much uh, energy, decrease your carbon source. What people now are asking was, is it wise to have all our medicines and and other materials produced so heavily in China? Because now that we have a disruption, you know, we can't move goods and services like we used to. Now we're kind of stuck. Maybe, you know, on a national security basis, some of that thing should be manufactured locally. That's probably going to be reinvestigated or brought up. But if we follow yeah. the past pattern, and, and we do have a pattern with these diseases, we're going to be really intense for six months, and then we're going to forget all about it. And it'll come back again in another year or whenever we have the next escapade that, that comes forward. And it's unpredictable, yeah. except I can predict that it's coming. So uh, if you, you know, I just went down and we, we first said we were going to do this. I just wrote down what occurred to me, uh, how often we've had these things crop up. And so if you go back the last 40 years uh, for animal diseases that have leaped into humans, we've had in 1981, HIV, 1995, bird flu, H5N1, and then high pathogenicity, avian influenza, 
1999, West Navars, 2002, SARS. I mean, there's just a laundry list, and, it, and we're yeah. turning the crank. We're playing roulette here, and eventually, boom, here we go. We've finally, we've finally got one that really got bad. Ebola was the one everybody was looking at, and bird flu, and here comes another one. Yeah, yeah. So it's like eventually one slips kind of and takes hold. That's what's happened here. So everything, okay. So now, go ahead. No, everything has to hit just right, and if you get enough events, and we've had lots of them, lots of them. So yeah. our food practices aren't safe either entirely. You know, influenza can come out of how we raise our chickens and hogs. We as careful as we can be, but it can just show up. So now we're in a situation tonight, uh, again, here on uh, Friday the 13th, March 2020, where all, as I said earlier, all, every, I don't even know if I went through the laundry list of this stuff, but like uh, the NBA shut down, Major League Baseball, every large sporting event has shut down, Uh, any large gathering has been canceled, Uh, most things from now until like, I'd say mid-April, uh, have have sort of uh, have been postponed or canceled. I have a big event at the end of April, Paramania. We're debating what to do about it. Um, it's not that big. It's only going to be like a couple dozen people, but there'll be fly, people flying around involved, and we're not sure yet whether that's a good idea or not. So I guess that's sort of the question here. Like the 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 situation we're at, in a sense, is like okay, we've sort of pushed the red button here. We've like. We're going into total fucking panic mode. Um, you know, we've shut everything down. People pretty much seems like, I mean, look, Tyler, I'm stocked up here. I don't intend to leave, you know, start walking around my backyard. Like, I don't intend to leave my house. You know, I would prefer not to interact with the public until at least April 1st. <laughs> if I can make it that far, you know, that would be awesome. So, and I think a lot of other people are kind of of that mindset. Um, but I mean, what's your, what's your, it's, it's, it's impossible to say really, but like, what's your, how are you feeling here as now that we've hit this panic button? Is it too late? Is it going to work? Um, how long is this going to drag on? Cause you know, you, you try to like read the tea leaves and it's like, uh, you kind of, you know, they just canceled school here for like two weeks. Everyone's kind of, I'm feeling like a two-week vibe in a sense. I'm also feeling like a month thing. But then I hear these other more worrisome things, like you were saying, it's going to linger around for six months. It's like, is the, is how long is the crisis going to last? Uh, you know, and how can we do the best to, to sort of avoid, or, you know, uh, to shorten it as much as possible, to get back to, to our normal lives? Those are, are wonderful questions, and, and it's going to come down to we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, right now, we've got the disease cropping up, spotting up uh, along the coast more than any place else. Uh, we can't really tell, but I, I look at the numbers, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that we are in uh, very shortly going to be in an explosive exponential phase in some of these areas. And this is why the testing becomes critical to figure out where the resources need to be directed. But it could be that it will require quite a number of weeks. Two weeks uh, would help if we could get everything to cease for two weeks. Uh, it's actually been done in um, schools, I think in Taiwan, 
maybe Hong Kong, where uh, when influenza appears, they send the kids home for a recess for a couple of weeks, and that blunts the appearance of the influenza in the community. Uh, So we're looking at maybe we'll get lucky in a two-week hiatus if general will uh, help a region get this thing slowed down. Not going to stop, Tim. We're not going to contain it. I mean, everybody, you have to get through this. We can't stop it. We can only contain it. This is why people were just, I'm, I'm putting words in people's mouths, but they were grinding their teeth when we're talking about um, stopping traveling from Europe but allowing it in from the U.K. and Ireland. And they're going, this is nonsensical. Um, it may actually be helpful if the U.K. or, I'm sorry, Europe is uh, importing cases. It may be important to intercept them or block the air travel. That's what the gaps and things, I don't, I don't understand that. But anyway, getting back to the idea, we can't stop this. We can only mitigate it, slow it down, and it may be with us for considerable time. You just people are going to have to accept this. It isn't going to be done in a week. It isn't going to. It may not be done in a month. It could easily just continue at a low level for for a long time. Perhaps our president is correct, and it will die down in the summer. But MERS didn't. MERS kept cropping back. We just don't know. So anyway, what I would say is prepare for the long haul. And prepare yeah. to take these social distancing uh, uh, precautions for the long haul for a while. Uh, and also prepare to see a lot more people get swept up in this. And uh, uh, it's going to be not very fun. we got to spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the Internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? Now, I, I suppose... It's, I, I guess it's hard to get a read on, but uh, like I was talking to you before we were setting up this show, and now I'm like even more genuinely terrified because I realized like, well, I went out to the store today, so 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 my my isolation clock really started like <laughs> this afternoon, so I won't really I won't feel because to me it's like I look I'm okay now, so I'm probably gonna be okay, right? But now it's like, oh shit, dude, yeah, I went to the yeah. store today, so maybe maybe somebody fucking. Gave it to me today, so I, <laughs> I won't know for five more days till I've, I've completely sealed the bubble. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's possible. Like, it's possible. Yeah, it was a very fleeting trip to the store, and I washed my hands when I got home. So uh, that's you know, exactly but, what uh, we do. Yeah. Well, I lost my train of thought here, but I, I, I want to jump into one part that somebody, Jim Vujovic, understandably made a made a. He, he threw shade at the people wearing masks. Um, and <laughs> okay. I understand that, but here I came up with the, with the, with the reason why the masks are a good thing. Cause all I hear now is don't touch your face. And more often than not, people like put their fingers near their, it's, you're really not supposed to touch your mouth. Right. It's like if I touch my fucking cheek, that's probably not as, <laughs> not as bad as putting my thumb in my mouth. So if you're wearing the mask, it keeps you from touching your fucking mouth, right? Makes perfect sense to me. Yes. Yeah. I think what they recommend is that if you have, uh, if you're symptomatic with uh, signs of a, a cold, for example, it, it helps to kind of contain it. But go ahead, try the mask. See how long you can keep it on. <laughs> okay. 
Just brought uh, it out of the store with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, perhaps, but yeah, usually the the way that it's recommended is that it stops the the um, droplet spread or confines right, it a little right. bit better. Uh, in terms of, yeah. of what you want to do, and, and this also just kind of fries me that that we haven't had this from uh, the people who have talked about the stuff on national television, but we need, there's a list of things you can do. And one of them is what you're doing, which is, you know, stay at home. If you have symptoms, stay at home for at least seven days, plan ahead, lay in the supply of food and medications, uh, stay. Uh, they recommend about three steps away from people as best you can. Uh, yeah. And then if somebody is sick, you know, try to isolate them like one bedroom, one bathroom if possible, or come up with a schedule as to who uses the bathroom when, and then wash your hands. And the other thing that people haven't thought about yet, when you close those schools, okay, a good sort of self, I guess, uh, containment mechanism, don't let the kids go out of the house and congregate at the mall or somebody else's you know, house or whatever. We have to stay isolated. Okay? Yeah. If you break the isolation bubble, it's not going to work for us. So we, we need these kinds of advice to come out. And I'm not seeing it at the federal level, but maybe at the state and local, uh, people will start talking about that. I don't know. Yeah. It's gonna, we're in for a long haul, Tim. We're in for a long haul, and it's not going to be any fun at all. Well, I guess it's, it's you know, it's a fool's errand to, uh, I think, I, oh, I remember where I lost my train of thought, where I was telling you, yeah, I was, I, I, what should people, and again, this is, I guess, where I sort of put that caveat in at the beginning of the show, because it's like, folks, like, we're just one, we're just two dudes, Do- Tyler's a, a doctor, I'm just a dude, so just like, you know, don't, do not cite us as your primary source for medical information, if something goes wrong. So, okay, so with that said, what what should people be looking for, uh, you know, as far as symptoms go? I'm sure everybody already sort of has Googled this and shit, but let's go over it again because, uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with a fucking crisis here, folks. Yeah, one of the most profound ones is going to be uh, signs and symptoms of a cold, so a cough, but the fever. Uh, is a giveaway that, that something's coming on. And usually this, for COVID, it's going to be pretty sharp and, uh, and it'll make you feel pretty miserable. So that uh, difficulty breathing, cough, all that is uh, pretty classic. But you can already see the problem. That's influenza, ordinary influenza as well. And it will come on fast. You know, I mean, they, they basically work the same way. And this is why this particular disease probably circulated fairly widely without being recognized for what it was for a while. Yeah. But that, that's what you have to watch out for. And then if you, if you do have signs and symptoms, like when your fever appears, you really want to isolate yourself for seven days minimum. Okay. Uh, and that's going to depend a lot on your, your personal situation. But this is why if you can, prior to being sick, Laying a supply of, of food, laying a supply of medications, because if you're on your own, for example, you may not be able to get out and get anything. And you may yeah. not be able to depend on delivery services because they may either be overwhelmed or rendered unavailable. You know, it depends on how many people get involved. So uh, the other thing to, to um, keep in mind is if you're having difficulty breathing, like you're panicked that you can't breathe, you need to seek professional advice 
call a doctor or emergency number whenever you can and ask them for advice. Don't show up at the emergency department unless you're truly desperate, okay, because there's going to be a million other people there, uh, and they, they may not be able to help you. So, you know, call ahead if you can and get advice. But if you're, you're having difficulty breathing, you want help. So that's, that's what I would say is that's kind of like the standard of you know, signs and symptoms of the flu, and you're going to really feel rotten. Really feel All right, yeah, because as I said to you when we talked to set up the show, uh, I had gone foolishly, went to a charity trivia event last Friday night, so we, uh, we could go tonight. Uh, with uh, And I was sure at that point, like, there was like 100-plus people there, so I'm like, the joke was kind of like, all right, well, I guess I'll come home with this, with this, uh, with this disease, you know. And then I felt, like, terrible on Tuesday. I was, you know, I was almost sure I had it, but I had no breathing problems. Um, and a very, if I had a fever, it, it came and went very fast. Um, okay. You know, it, it was very briefly in the afternoon, I was like, oh, shit, do I have a fever? And by, like, the nighttime, I was like, nah, I'm fine. So, yeah, so and since then, I've been pretty much fine. I'm a little congested. I feel like it's more like a head cold. So I think it's okay. Yeah. As you yeah, can see, I'm stuck. Ordinary, ordinary rhinovirus cold, no big deal. With this, with uh, COVID and influenza, the flu comes or the fever comes on. You feel pretty miserable. Uh, with influenza, ordinary good health adult, three days of misery, and then they come back. But, uh, right, all right. Essentially, I guess the, have, uh, you know, like I said before, it's like I haven't, I, I've since. That was the most I've been around people. I'm incredibly fortunate that I work from home in this situation. Um, so I already barely <laughs> – truth be told, I've largely, I, I largely practice social distancing as a, as a religion. So I don't even <laughs> – I may be that, – that may be my saving grace. That may be what saves me from this whole thing is that I work, that I work from home anyway. So that was the most I've been around people. Uh, a large group of people in quite some time. I think I've been to the grocery store a few other times, but, uh, you know, washed my hands and everything afterwards. So I guess, like like I said, it's you never really know until you've completely cut off from society. Yeah. But I, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good. I think I'm going to manage to, to uh, oh, Christ, this sounds like it. they're going to play this after I die. So knock on wood, knock on wood. <laughs> I, I, I'm hopeful that I can ride out this storm now that I've I've battened down the hatches and, and plan on sort of completely sealing myself off from society. Okay. All right. Well, let me for a couple of let weeks. Me, let me tell you a story, Tim. Oh Jesus Way Christ! Way back when you're going to terrify me now. Of course. <laughs> Way back. All right. When, when SARS first came out. Uh, we didn't know what the reservoir was, and they figured out it was civic cats. And I, oh, I should have saved this source. I can't remember where I read this now, but as I understand it, and I hope memory is serving me well, when you go to San Francisco, of course, you have to go to Chinatown. And there was a meeting of uh, epidemiologists and virologists, and the guys in Chinatown, and it had become known or at least strongly suspected that civic cats were the source of the, uh, in, of the SARS virus, and he's doing the tourist thing, and lo and behold, what does he see on offer? Live civet cats. This is at a time when you couldn't get a ticket for any price to come to the U.S. from China. 
but the civic cats got here. And you thought, wow, isn't that interesting? So, you know, you always have these ways that stuff can get across the moat and get you. Yeah. And so my question to you is, what's Sir Ralph has been doing? <laughs> what do you mean? Sir Ralph is not allowed out of the house, so he's he's his life his entire life has been social isolation. Uh-huh. Okay. So you keep an eye on him. All right. So you think it could have could, I the, could have gotten it somehow and then given it to the rabbit? No, the rabbit'll get you. Uh the uh what we have to keep in mind is that uh, these are, in fact, animal reservoir diseases. And there have been some questions about uh, companion animals. Uh, could they give yeah. it to you? Could they uh, pass it back and forth? And right now, I think the, the most common sense recommendation is if, if you're ill, uh, keep the dogs and, and cats away, particularly the dogs, because they, they tend to want to have more contact with us. Uh, and so we, we just don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, you think you got everything sealed up, and lo and behold, it's Sir Ralphus that gets you. Little so, bastard. Anyway, it's just another. another All right, I'll keep that in mind. Well, I don't know what other people yeah, are doing, me, so they need to. Yeah, they. Uh, let me. It's, yeah. So. So what are you doing? That's an interesting. That's an interesting point. Now, so I've told you, I've I've bunkered down. You know, I can make it till April first, probably beyond that. But that's my. You know, that's my unsealed. Uh, <laughs> unsealed yeah. the bunker date for now. You know, I may break before that. I may be break after. Who knows? But uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I'm equipped uh, equipped here for April first. So what what are you what are you doing? Do you have to leave the house, or you know, what's your what's oh, yeah. your status? Well, this weekend I'm taking care of the grandkids, and so those ah. parents are out celebrating their anniversary. Now they were going to fly to San Francisco, and I was able to talk them out of that. But they're going to go to uh, Sedona, Arizona, at a, a bed and breakfast. But I have to watch the kids. And uh, one of the problems with coronavirus is that uh, the um, anecdotal evidence is that children aren't so as affected by the virus, possibly but because they're they've been infected. They could be, or they, they have very minor signs and symptoms. And it, it could be because the other coronaviruses that we talked about, those cause colds, and kids have a lot of colds. And so they might have a little bit of basic immunity that an average adult doesn't. Anyway, um, my preference would be just like you to seal myself into a, a giant uh, castle keep behind a moat. But uh, what we've done is I've gotten the medications that I need. I have asthma, so I have to be very careful. And then yeah. uh, a little bit of extra food. Uh, but beyond that, I go to work. Uh, we're struggling with what to do at our school. Um, there, uh, my school, I think, is maybe having some problems with accepting the full uh, sort of uh, implications of this problem. But we will uh, maybe deliver like lectures electronically as opposed to having the class assembled. That's probably where we're going to end up, depending on how bad it gets here. So um, anyway, that's, that's what I do is uh, social distancing yeah. as best I can. And uh, I recognize that uh, you, can, you can hide, but these things can find you. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's worrisome. Yeah, I just see the the other part too is this is like an interesting story in a sense. I mean, 
if it weren't so goddamn terrifying, it would be fascinating, and it actually really is fascinating, but it's just terrifying, too, at the same time, so it's like, uh, you almost feel guilty being fascinated by it, but it's like, uh, Adam Goreilly, my friend, just sent me a tweet, coronavirus in the NBA, child test positive for COVID-19 after getting autographs at Jazz versus Celtics game, so it's like, again, it goes back to this tests thing, uh, at the risk of, uh, sort of starting this, this point earlier, but it's like, at the risk of getting too prog you know, getting into prognostication too much, uh, the the WHO, not the band, but the World Health Organization, says on this little website I'm looking at, which is, it seems to be updated regularly, uh, it's like a map, has blobs and shit, it's their official website. Uh, they say we have 1,264 cases, so like what, like what's your trajectory on this? Like, I mean, because you and I were talking about this, maybe, maybe you and I will talk again next Friday night, and and do this again without having to do all this background and sort of get an idea more about what the lay of the land as we go forward. But, like, what's – this time next week, we're sitting at 1,264. What, you know, I know it's nearly impossible, but do it anyway, please, for us. Like, what, where do you think that number is going to be next Friday night? Okay, assuming that we have uh, testing commensurate with the um, actual number of cases that are out there, in other words – we can test uh, enough people to figure out what's going on. Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Yeah, the week after that, fifty to a hundred thousand. Wow. Let's see, let's see how close it comes. Now we're at. I'm not kidding, Tim. We're at this exponential inflection point, and uh, and so um, take a look at Italy. And that that's probably our best uh, indicator of what's going to happen to us. Uh, so where are they? Nine thousand. No, they're past that. Uh, they're at 15,000. Yeah, and so uh, they they have instituted measures to stop that. But I, I think we're going to be – Yeah, so they're approximately uh, worst, 10 times what we have right now. So Worst yeah. case scenario, we're going to be right where they are in a, a week to two – no, more than two weeks. And so hopefully what happens is the distancing measures and other close downs take a bite out of this. Okay, but And slow down that rate now, of – increase yeah i mean we're this is this is what i see i can't remember when we first when you called but sunday yesterday we talked yesterday yesterday sunday afternoon this last past sunday all of a sudden the uh, anthony fauci dr anthony fauci who's a a nih guy noted authority on these things i've been working it for 40 years on these types of situations Oh, yeah, I think anyone who's been watching the news knows Dr. Fauci. He's like, if anything fucking happens to Dr. Fauci, I'll I'll fucking take to the streets. He's our only only thread to reality right now. So we need Dr. Fauci more than ever. He has spoken truth to power and lived to tell about it in ways that others haven't. But all of a sudden, Dr. Fauci was out there saying, what uh, Dr. Messine, who's the uh, CDC person, had said a couple of weeks ago that we're going to have to get ready for disruptions and things could get very difficult. And that's when I knew that they had the simulations going and the numbers were bleak. And so we switched from denial and, and I guess, just sort of like shifting the the conversation to everything's going to be fine to preparation. They began to right. prepare the public 
for what's coming. And so one of the things, though, is that, you know, my number of 10,000, that's just, I'm just guessing, right? Right. And I'm looking at Italy, and I'm thinking, okay, proportionally, we have more here at this phase. We don't know, Tim. We don't know what the full extent of the, of the universe of infection is right now. And my guess is we're going to see some areas like Washington heavily impacted shortly. And that's, that's why the governors are moving the, the way they are. They, they see okay. it. So one of the things that has been interesting is that if you look, the, the actual estimates, they haven't been very forthcoming with the estimates. And I, I understood that some of the information about the uh, epidemic and, and projections has been classified. And so I, I think, you know, well, that's great if you're trying to prevent panic, but now it's got us, okay? Yeah. It's got us. Somebody needs to, to level. So I, I, I always a pessimist, okay? I mean, always one who, who sees right, right. the dark side. I'm well, I think, that we're gonna... yeah, it's a, it's important to sort of like, I think at least, I, I mean, I didn't really necessarily think this, but I suppose like in my mind, I was, it's sort of like a wishful thinking where it's like, okay, well, wouldn't it be great if like next Friday we're sitting here and now it's somehow it's down to 200 people. Like it's not going to just drop dramatically in the next week. It's going to actually increase exponentially. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. If you look at the ray of hope is uh, China, although they instituted draconian measures. I don't think would work here, uh, but uh, maybe we'll get to this point. They seem to have blunted the, the growth uh, remarkably. Yeah. It looks like the same is true in Taiwan and Korea, that you can get ahead of this. And so the World Health Organization guy was trying to point this out. Get out there, do your testing. You can get ahead of this. We, we can stop this thing. We can break the chain of transmission. So there's reason to hope yeah. that we can. Uh, it's difficult to, to maybe reconcile all this with the idea that the universe of total cases is pretty large, asymptomatic uh, being possible, transmission being possible, but certainly mild cases and all that. But nonetheless, yeah. those, those examples suggest to us you can do something. So we, we have reason to hope, and, and hopefully then we'll blunt it. I hope to hell in a week. I'm wrong. Please, God, let that be the case. That I'm yeah, on, absolutely, because we're going in a terrible direction if that's the case. Absolutely. But, like, that seems to be more and more what you hear, and especially considering they haven't even – there could already be 10,000 people with the virus right now. Uh, you know, they've only tested, like – I'd be stunned if they've even tested 10,000 people. Like, I don't know how many tests have been done, so, but it's not very many. And uh, I'm going to get out. Unfortunately, you're correct on that, that we haven't tested all that many people. But I'll also tell you that what we have, what those WHO numbers, those blobs and everything show you, is yeah. not where the epidemic is now. It shows you where it was three days ago or a week ago. We're always behind the curve, if you want to think of it. And so I'm telling right. you, there's the possibility of exponential explosion. And that, that when, when Anthony Fauci came out and was allowed to say that, because the, there have been accusations that they've muzzled these people. They haven't been so good with him. But they, they wanted to have everything washed through uh, the political people, uh, Vice President Pence and others, um, when Fauci was out there talking, I thought they just shifted to preparation phase. This is going to get bad. 
Yeah. Yeah, now I'm looking on the CDC website, and, uh, okay, it's more than 10,000, but, uh, you know, it's a uh, it, – it was pretty much like in the hundreds until the 3rd of March, and then it jumped into the thousands of people they were testing. Um, and it's it, so far like the peak day on the CDC thing here says uh, the 9th. So like four days ago, they tested 2,000 people. So like, yeah. you know, uh, 2,000 people yeah. is like a, it's not even a small town. That's like a extremely small. <laughs> like, no, like it, holy shit, there's millions of people. Uh, we need let to be keeping track of. warn you, it, it wasn't 2,000 random people. Uh, if I was in charge and I had uh, a couple thousand tests, my first priority would be to find out how many of my primary healthcare infectors are infected. And so they might have gone right after those people and, and started to quarantine yeah. or whatever. So we still don't know walking on the street, in my opinion, what the number is, or we're unlikely to know that for a while. Uh, right, but, uh, right. And, and, well, to the other point, too, where it's like I talked about this sort of like uh, aspirational window of like two weeks. It's like, oh, maybe in two weeks it'll – but like even if we manage – kind of like what you're saying, we're behind all the time. Even if we manage to blunt the growth, uh, if your concerns are are borne out, and we may be sitting here in two weeks and there will be 100,000 cases in America – and then it's like, well, you can fucking bet, like, nothing's going back. They're not bringing the NBA back, dude. Like, if this, if yes. if they're shutting it down because there's 1,200 people with this thing, when it gets to be 100,000 people, uh, you know, all the rest of you all going to be joining me in your homemade bunker uh, waiting to see when this growth is going to stop. If we, if, if, and hopefully, again, this, it won't come to this, but if we get to 100,000 total cases, it won't matter if they bring the NBA back. Only the super hardcore, really not very with it, uh, people are going to show up. They're going to be scared away. Okay? I mean, it, it won't matter. If they have right. Well, that's what I mean. It, it, it would be a public health, you know, if 100,000 people have this thing, it would be a public health. Uh, like, like they're, already, they're already legally saying you can't have, like, more than 250 people at a, you know what I'm saying? So it's like they're not going to – Yes. They're going to tighten yeah. the restrictions. They're like, you're not going to be able to hang out with more than 25 people. <laughs> Who knows? That's right. So picture paranormal. <sighs> paranormal. What, do you, what do you call it? Uh, what's your, paramania. Uh, paramania. Paramania. Yeah. Picture that being raided by the authorities. You guys all drug off to jail where you will die. Well, we won't. We're, we're so, going to decide on April first. So, in, in, on April first, <laughs> we'll know if if there's going to be a hundred thousand people with this, or if like it's uh, the, the growth has stopped, or who knows. We'll uh, we'll have an well, idea you know, then. That, it, it's really hard for the average person to figure out what's going on because we we have so many of our political people in denial, trying to possibly yeah. keep numbers artificially low. Uh, I don't want to get into another conspiracy theory, but today. Uh, Secretary of Treasury Mnuchin saying, yeah, go ahead and fly. Well, I'd fly to L.A. if I, if I didn't have to be here working on, uh, on the people's business. Like hell yeah. he would. Okay, he does the charter flights. Come on, give me a break. Yeah, that's you, true. That's you know? true. I mean, come on. That's why he got in trouble. He, he chartered a plane to uh, watch the eclipse, if you recall. Okay, I'm, that's enough. I'll stop. But yeah, no, no, no. It's all right. I, you know. There's mixed We're all in this together, Tyler. You, me, and Steve Manukin. So yeah, he just 
He just has a shitload of money in a private jet. But we're all we're all in this together. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, gotcha. I know you're not a you're a scientist, uh, not an econ- uh, economist. Um, but it'll be – I'm sort of musing just on my own, just in hearing your thoughts, because uh, you are a citizen of the world like I am. But it'll be interesting to see uh, how this all shakes out, because that's like the other – there's two crises here. There's the health crisis, and now there's the economic crisis, which the health crisis has caused. So we're dealing yep. with a double crisis. So the people – that's the other part where it's like – the whether you agree or not, I'm talking to the listeners, not you, but like whether you agree or not that this is overblown or whatever, um, at some point, much like the virus itself, you have to accept the fact that that it, it exists. The hysteria is not a hoax. It's it's uh, people are fucking genuinely concerned. Businesses are shutting down. Conferences are being canceled, a big event. You know, the economy is completely, I suppose, unless you make toilet paper and all that shit that people are buying up, like, to hoard. Uh, I assume, like, you know, restaurants, all all kinds of, of to the smallest little things are, are being financially impacted by this. And who knows, you know, who knows how long, we're going to need two recoveries. We're going to need a health recovery and an economic recovery. You're absolutely right, and this is one of the great forgotten things is that that recovery itself will be an extended undertaking, and it will take a long time for airlines to recover and cruise lines to recover because people will you know, slowly filter back, but there's always going to be these losses. Job losses, uh, layoffs, can be as threatening to health as an actual disease because people have stress. You know, all kinds of mayhem occurs because they're out of work, don't have enough money. I mean, it, this will be costly uh, in multiple ways beyond just dollars. And, and you can see the, the temptation to try to, to minimize and to say, oh, no, 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 no problem. Just keep going in business as usual. Uh, it's just like the regular flu. It, it would be wonderful if it is. And so if it's not, if it's not, and we make an error, in judgment and don't move to the degree that we can to flatten this curve, we are going to pay uh, ungodly price. And so the only real uh, situation that we have before us, the only real avenue to go forward is to move on it, to try to control it, you know, to minimize it. And uh, I mean, that's the only reasonable choice, no matter how much we wish it was the other way. So like I say, I hope that we're wrong, but we've made, the conservative choice, I think we're making the conservative choices, the right choices, to be maximally protective of human life. And, uh, and because that we can't, we can't put back if it's lost. And I'm just afraid that we're going to just lose way too many people. Yeah. Well, we're going to lose people and, uh, you know, to a much lesser degree, like other people's lives are – you know, it's like even if you don't know someone that dies, if your fucking business goes belly up, uh, you know, your your life is equally – not equally, but your life is shattered also by this thing. So, exactly. You know. Exactly. It's, there's going to be many victims happen. in different forms and fashions of this thing. So, again, if it's yeah, like it's, to the people who were like, ah, oh, it's just a flu, don't even worry about it, it's like – 
That's fine, dude. But when your wife comes home and says she doesn't have a fucking job anymore, or when you lose your job because, like, because this hoax, uh, you know, caused the restaurant to go out of business or whatever, like, don't don't blame yeah. me, man. We're, we're trying to get no, we're I, trying to stop this thing. You're absolutely right. This this is going to have uh, repercussions far beyond the body count. And uh, and just continue to dog us for a while, but I I think we're we're at the phase now where we really have to accept that the economy is going to take a hit, just like just like public health is going to take a hit. It's here. Right. It, it it's happened. And uh, you know, no matter how much you want to yell hoax and, and scream up and down or whatever, uh, it's a hundred thousand cases is not a hoax. Okay, it's a disaster. Yeah. Um. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and for those, yeah, for those wondering, yeah, we have 136,895 confirmed cases so far uh, in the world. Uh, yep. So we're so, like, so, so we're like one percent. America's like America's just one percent of this this thing right now. Ish. Today, today. Mm-hmm. But if you if you do the math on the hundred thousand, we assume somewhere between ten and twenty percent of the cases are severe enough to uh, have people report for diagnosis. Uh, we're looking at 10 exactly. times that actual number. So we're, we've yeah. already involved a million people. Uh, with uh, influenza, 1918 is an estimated 20 million people across the world died. And we could do much less for it at that point. But if it comes as fiercely, if this one comes completely fiercely and uncontrolled and we can't flatten that curve, we're going to see an awful lot of mayhem. This is when when my dad was a kid, he got quarantined. This is not in living memory anymore, and so we've grown kind of accustomed to oh yeah, there's a disease. Well, they'll make a vaccine, you know, and you can see the president fall on that right away. You know, oh, they'll get a vaccine ready, and everything will be fine. But my dad yeah, got yeah. quarantined. They got diphtheria in the house. And uh, public health authorities were alerted by their doctor when he made the diagnosis. And they put a sign on the door, quarantine. You can Uh come into the house, but by force of law, you could not leave. So what happened was Uh my grandfather brought food to the house, left it on the front porch, and then he could talk to my grandma through the the, uh, screen. And he did that every day for two weeks, for two weeks. Oh, wow. Now, one thing I I didn't realize until many, many years later, was that his brother, Donald, died of diphtheria. My dad wouldn't talk about it. But this was actually very, very common. This is before the antibiotic era. It hadn't even invented, Domac hadn't even invented Pronosil, the first sulfa drug. There was literally not much they could do. And so it was between you and God. People have forgotten what quarantine is about. Okay, we've, we've gone, you know, we've been very, very fortunate now. Suddenly, reality is going to hit on us. Quarantine is to protect the greater society, not the infected people involved in the quarantine. Yeah. And so, That's absolutely hopefully, true. We, won't have, we won't have to triage like that. But remember that cruise ship? They were quarantined. Oh, that yeah. yeah they were crazy. That wasn't to help them, yeah. Tim. No, no, no. So, it was to keep our still, numbers down here in America, you know. <laughs> I'm not, you know I'm, that. I'm not going to dispute that. It could be part of the That's case, what the president said. It was to keep the night. He didn't want the numbers to go up. So, yes. you know. But and I'm sure people, do, you know, 
I'm sure there are people that that agree with that mindset in a sense where it's like, fuck them, leave them on the boat, don't don't bring them, you know. But I don't know. That's pretty that's pretty barbaric. That's why they they went in and intervened and got those people off. But if you really want to freak yourself out, there's a whistleblower, a New York Times article uh, from a few weeks ago that basically alleges that when those folks from the quarantines were met, uh, think in California, uh, the uh, people, the government officials were not were not given proper uh, barriers, uh, the, the uh, barrier equipment we call it, to protect themselves yeah. from being infected. And then they dispersed. They they had contact with those people and they dispersed. And it's like, good God, you know, if you're saying it's no big problem or or whatever, uh, you know, why did you do that? That's that's baffling. That's that violates the basic premise of protocol of quarantine to begin with. And it's like, right. what were you thinking? All you became was potential vectors of this disease all across the U.S. So I I, well, I think, hope that our go ahead, go ahead. So I hope the thought process within the government was better than that. I hope the whistleblowers' allegations are incorrect. But good God, if they're right, uh, people should be brought up on charges. But anyway, Secretary Azar. Right, right. Well, I'm that. I'm old enough to to sort of like I think also what what people are kind of understanding now. I'm kind of old enough to remember the the sort of evolution of the of HIV and you're kind of seeing in in a very rapid rate sort of a mirror of that in a way where it's like initially people here were all like when this thing starts like I don't even know anyone who went to China okay so I'm not worried about it that's kind of the yeah. that was the January yeah, attitude reasonable. right that's reasonable. you know and back in the 80s it was like I don't even know any gay people why do I have to worry about about this HIV thing so you know, that's the January. Yes. Now we get to February, and then all of a sudden, you know, well, it's accelerating, and it's, it just shows up where it's like, well, nobody knows this guy. This this guy doesn't know anybody who went to China, and now he's got it. So, yeah, but, yeah. So when you, start, so, you know, and now, like, I just read you that thing. I just read you that thing where it's like Utah Jazz guy gives autograph to kid, and now – the fucking kid has it. So it's like, yes. holy, they're like, yes. and you wonder why I don't want to leave the house, folks. It's like pushing the <laughs> buttons on the ATM machine. You you might get this thing. You might. So, yeah, hand sanitizers, gloves, barriers, equipment. But, yeah, you're absolutely correct that the first sort of thought is, I don't know anybody from China. That's actually pretty good. Unfortunately, the community transport of, or transmission of the disease quickly overtakes that sort of notion. With uh, yeah. HIV, this uh, HIV came out, or AIDS came out, just as I was beginning in graduate school. And I'm telling you, Tim, the fear was beyond palpable in the scientific community because we had this cluster of cases, the AIDS cases, show up. And it quickly became apparent, you're looking at this thing, you know, contact tracing, that it was an infectious something we didn't know what right and then within not too long it became recognized that we had a silent epidemic that it took a long time for hiv to show up yeah and it was in the blood supply and millions were involved hiv is the great pandemic pandemic of the 21st century and uh 
uh, it, it sneaked up on us. This one, this is infinitely faster, a lot more, you know, I guess, direct. You know, it's right there in front of you. Right, exactly. It's like, it's, yeah, I'm more, I'm more comparing sort of the social reaction to this and sort of like what – I mean, I, I, I think you'll probably sort of see this where it's like – and I said this to my friends leading up to it. I'm like, wait till some celebrity gets it. And then it was like I, – I can see why people are sort of conspiratorial-minded, and they're like, this is all a fucking – all a big show. This is all. This is all the Illuminati. Because like, well, look who, look who got, look who the first celebrity to get it was Tom Hanks. He's the most beloved celebrity like in the world or in America or whatever. But I mean, I don't think anyone listening will disagree. Like, as soon as the fucking, as soon as it became like, oh shit, Tom Hanks has coronavirus. Like every, it changed. It changed this where people were like, all of a sudden you knew somebody, <laughs> you knew somebody that had this thing. Fucking Tom Hanks. Oh, no. It can make a big difference in terms of uh, public awareness and uh, even interest, just basic interest, because we have a lot of things to compete for our attention. And, uh, you know, That's this true. one is, uh, you know, something that, that you need sort of a, a focus point. And, boy, we got it now, okay, with the NBA and these other places making their moves, baseball, Whatnot, That's got true. I didn't even think of that, but you're you're absolutely right in a sense where it's like I'm a political junkie and a news hound, and I know you're you know following all uh, the news all the time. But there are people who just don't care about any of that stuff, and they go to work to their nine to five and come home and like play video games and barely watch the news. So yes. you know that they, they, yes. they might all, all of a sudden they're like, wait, a minute, there's <laughs> there's nothing on TV, but but this this fucking outbreak thing. So, well, you know, I, I'll tell you honestly. I think one thing is uh, we have to be concerned about is two weeks is a long time for Americans. Oh yeah. This is not going to be done in two weeks' time. All right. We may be able to blunt the uh, the rate of uh, transmission in two weeks if we're very lucky, uh, but. It's going to take a lot longer than that to get this thing under control, and I hope that people have the patience, you know, and uh, and sort of attention span to focus on this and to to continue yeah. doing what they have to do. Uh, now I think we answered this, but in fairness to Jim Vujovic, who's been hanging out in the chat all night, uh, he asked this like right away at the start of the show. But like I said, we've we've kind of gone over this a while, but. Like I said, in fairness, uh, he says infectious disease guy on the Quirks and Quarks podcast tonight said he expects a vaccine in one to two years. Uh, that seems like a long time. What good does closing my work for two weeks do if it will be that long for a vaccine? So to show how I've been taught by Tyler tonight, the answer, I guess, from what we've learned here on the show is like that you need to blunt the rate of transmission, as we said, to drop the curve. Um, you know, and that way that gives us a chance to get a handle on this. We can't just let it fly off willy-nilly. We have to take preventative measures to, you know, stop the spread of this thing, you know, as best we possibly can, right? Yeah. Kind of the answer yeah. for the t- at least, the you know, for closing. Because he works at Disney, so it's like, you know. Oh, boy. Uh, a place like that, you gotta yeah. you got to close that place for two weeks, which is unheard of. You know, but again, we talked about this. At the start of the show, this is in such uncharted territory. I remember back in the financial collapse, I was talking to Rich Dolan 
uh, at a UFO event, we kind of talk about it. I, I didn't really think it was that serious, the 2008 financial collapse. And part of it was because it was like, well, people, these giant, like the NBA still plays and all the sports, like all the bread and circuses are still running. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it's not so like. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are, like about a decade later, and my my criteria for like like uh, you know uh, an apocalyptic situation has been met, where uh, all the sports leagues are shut down, Disney's shut down. You know, I imagine it's going to keep getting. I heard from a lot of people that their gyms are going to close for like two weeks because they're high. Uh, an area for a high rate of transmission would be the gym. So that kind of thing. So, you know, we're in we're in the apocalyptic scenario. So, uh, right now we're just seems like we kind of came to it maybe a week too late, and we're trying to sort of uh, and not every, even everything's shut down. A lot of a lot of public school systems are still open, so it's not even like a national shutdown. It's very it's it's very uh, scattershot. It, it is, and that, that's the strength and weakness of the system at, at the same time is that, uh, you know, school districts are all independent, local uh, sorts of affairs. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're, we're absolutely desperate to uh, flatten this curve. If we don't, we're heading for disaster or almost certainly going to have disaster. So the two weeks thing will buy us time. We may need yeah. a vaccine in about a year. There are some folks who say they have candidates, they have new ideas for how to make a vaccine, and there's even been proposals to kind of um, not do the normal sort of safety testing that we would do. And I, I would say that's going to be a really hard ethical sell. Uh, yeah. But, but anyway, if we get desperate enough, we may see these things rush forward uh, even quicker. As Anthony Fauci pointed out, you have to be cautious here because if you make the wrong moves with how you basically stimulate the immune system, you can actually cause things to go wrong and, and make the disease worse. Uh, we did this with dengue recently. We had a vaccine, Dengarix, yeah. I think it is. And it, they suddenly had to come out and say, no, no, this, this is only for people who have already been exposed. You can't just give it to anybody uh, first time only because it may sensitize you. And we learned that the hard way. But uh, one of the things that does happen, and I actually saw this, is that stuff passes the first safety review all the time only to get yanked later. And so in 1999, they tried a vaccine against Alzheimer's disease, amyloid, and it backfired, and it caused meningoencephalitis, and a bunch of people died promptly. That wasn't supposed to happen, yeah. and it didn't happen in the mice, and the safety testing didn't reveal it. And so we, we have to be cautious. If we're lucky, if we're very lucky, we'll get a vaccine uh, in a year. And then the next go around, if this virus doesn't die down and comes back and tries to come back after us again, maybe we'll have something to uh, really shut it down and, and really get under control. That's a long way out. Um, so, absolutely. Well, the, the other concerning issue, I guess, is from my understanding of this, I mean, I've tried to follow this story as well as I could, but it, at some point you get, if you're a news hound like me, you get into overload. Like I said, like Adam yeah. Gorelli just sent me that that story about uh, 
about the NBA player and the autograph, and it's like that's just one story out of folks like thousands of stories that have been written about this just this week. So it's hard to even keep track of everything, which is why I'm really glad you and I are doing this show because we I'm trying to drill down on all the shit that I feel like I need to know, and and maybe the maybe the Banal America listeners do too. Um, but what I've heard, in a sense, is like uh, all that, all that, uh, all the grief that the president got about how uh, it'll go away when it gets warm out. That's sort of a very, that's a very banal esque <laughs> uh, so, sort of. Uh, I don't even know. Now I'm insulting myself. Uh, banal esque way of of of, of summarizing. <laughs> this is why I'm not the fucking president. Uh, of summarizing sort of the general idea, right, that, like, the weather's going to get warmer, and much like the flu, the cases and the transmission rate's going to drop precipitously. But, here's the caveat, it's going to come roaring back in the fall, uh, possibly worse than what we're dealing with right now. So that's all I'm saying a yes. lot, but is, uh, what, what's the, what's, am, I, am I sort of on the right track here? Is this what we should be concerned about? You are. We, we don't know. Okay, that's the first thing. We, we can hope. And, and if we're really, really lucky, it'll die away and go extinct like SARS. Uh, but this could be the herald wave of a really bad situation next year. And so it could be uh, something like influenza that seems to go away, but then comes back. And it could be with us uh, endemic for a long period of time. We're not going to know until we go through a season with this thing. So we Right now, the number one job is get the minimum number of people infected, protect as many people as we can. That's all we can do. And we'll bring other weapons to bear as they become available. But one thing you might want to warn your uh, the Banal of America uh, listeners is um, there aren't any easy solutions. There aren't any miracle drugs. So whether it's Jim Baker's colloidal silver or other remedies, okay, there ain't any. There are some drugs under yeah. investigation. There's no royal route out of this for us. Okay, maybe a vaccine, maybe they can get it done quickly, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like if you get it, you're – yeah, they can't just give you – there's no, like, penicillin. They can't just give you a pill or whatever, and it'll go away. Uh, there's no cure for it that we know of, just other nope. other than – you know, if you think you have it, sort of just get a lot of rest, right, and uh, drink a lot of water. That's kind of all I've heard. Yeah, it's it's the standard uh, treatment for influenza unless you're uh, becoming very, very desperately ill, like the fever's becoming really high and you're having difficulty breathing, you're going to need help. Uh, then you want to yeah. try to find a way to get it. And, and God help us if we have all of the beds and ventilators occupied already when you make that call. Uh, yeah, it may be very tough for some of us, and at that point, then it really is para con Dios between you and God. All right. Well, so Miriam in the chat wants to, to know. I know, dude. Miriam in the chat wants to know. Uh, so, what is a decent amount of time to think about hunkering down for tight now? Two weeks, a month, six months. I think. I mean, I, I, it's all up to anyone's own personal. You know. Their own, like, you have to measure the, I wouldn't say risk rewards, but you have to measure the, you know, uh, oh, she's just for right now. So not for tight now, but for <laughs> for right now. Sorry, Mary. <laughs> uh, friggin' typos, she says. Uh, you know, I, I would say 
again, this is again, this is kind of like where I offer that caveat at the beginning of the thing, uh, the show, where it's like I'm, I'm hunkering down. Like I said, I'm hoping to stay tight here till April first. Uh, you know, and and I have enough. I have everything I need to make it till it. <laughs> April 1st. We'll see if I don't yeah. just go out of my mind and I'm like, fuck it, let's just go out to eat tonight and and risk it, you know, so who knows. But, uh, so that's up to everybody else, you know. I, I mean, based on what Tyler's saying, like, if it keeps getting worse, we may all just have to be hunkered down for a long longer than that. We may have to do it for a month. We're all kind of just playing it by ear. I've essentially, I guess, where I'm at is like, I've seen enough. I've seen enough and I'm and I'm dropping the fuck out of society uh, for at least at least till April first, in the hopes that no one else, no one will will infect me with this disease, and hopefully I've managed to make it up till now to not get it, and therefore I can cut myself out of <laughs> out of this. So yeah. it's it's all up to anyone else's personal preference, but personally for me, I've seen enough. Well, the thing that you have to keep in mind is that, except for the most dedicated prepper, okay, the, the true, I've got a bunker in my backyard and it's full of meals ready to eat, okay, for the next five years, most of us are going to be able to maybe have uh, enough food to last for a week or two, but we're going to have to venture out. And so what yeah. I would say is that's kind of how the average person is probably going to approach this is that. Uh, minimal contact. When you need to go to the store, you go to the store. I would suggest going right exactly, yeah. and uh, and washing everything that that may have been touched because you know you don't know who touched it, and uh, that's going to be kind of our lives. Uh, so this is the way it is. It it does, however, make certain people uh, look like geniuses who are already into the prep thing, you know, who got yeah. all the, the supplies laid in, waiting. Uh, if you look at the numbers, Tim, you know, it, it's the roulette, the plan roulette that, you know, we had these diseases keep coming forward, coming forward, coming forward, and eventually one was going to do something like this, and now we're in it. So yeah. there was a logic to prep. Yeah, that's the scary part is they're going to inherit the earth now, These <laughs> the people who prepped. So we'll I'm see. Not gonna, I'm not going to tell you what I just thought until we get off air. And, um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, it has to do with another show. <laughs> no, don't even go there. Uh, <laughs> okay. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, we will. And the good news is, if you want to think of it this way, the answers are going to be forthcoming very quickly. In a couple of weeks, we're going to see if we're in the full-scale disaster or if we're going to get this blunted, and, and uh, people can debate, uh, you know, whether we uh, acted too harshly or what. Please, God, please let it be an argument that we got over-enthused about control. Let it be that argument, as opposed to looking backwards and saying, Jesus, we should have gotten going in January. You know, I mean, please let that be what we're arguing about in the future. I fear it won't be. But I think in about two weeks, we're going to really, this is going to clarify itself in a big hurry. All right. Well, we're uh, we're at the five-minute mark, so we'll uh, pretty much wrap it up here. I could talk to you more, but uh, I have other things to do tonight. And uh, like I was saying before, well, you and I will be in contact here 
uh, yeah. you know, through the weekend and uh, into the start of the week. And as we're watching how things progress, if you're free, I'd be down to do another one next week just to kind of follow up on this. Let's, as, uh, yeah, let's, 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 put, let's pencil it down. We'll put it down on pencil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in the, I would in the like meantime, to before we keep, go. Yes. Uh, if if people uh, want to uh, follow on Twitter, uh, folks that are are probably going to be pretty knowledgeable. Uh, Dr. Nancy Messinet, and it's at Dr. Nancy M underscore CDC, and then um, Michael Osterholm. Uh, his site that will feature him pretty uh, extensively is called at SIDRAP, at C-I-D-R-A-P, which is the Center for um, the Communicable Diseases uh, Study at uh, Minnesota. Those are pretty good uh, sources. And then if you just search Dr. Anthony Fauci, F-A-U-C-I, and Osterholm, Michael Osterholm's last name is O-S-T-E-R-H-O-L-M. Those people are, are experts. And, uh, and they're worthwhile uh, taking a look uh, you know, at what they have to say. And, and you'll be able to rely on uh, what they have to say. And I think Dr. Fauci has been speaking truth to power and, and uh, has never, as far as I could see, uh, really uh, come out and play the political line. It's always, no, these are the facts as I understand them medically. And so that's, that's yeah. and the others as well, you know, so I think those are good sources to start with. All right. And what about your Twitter handle? What's, uh, you know, give people that so they can follow you. Oh, no. Just let it go. Okay. All right. I, I don't need any followers. Uh, I'm good. So oh, jeez. I, I changed. I took my name off, and uh, I'm getting ready to retire. Should I not have tagged you on the thing on Twitter? Because I can, going forward, it's, not tag you. No, it's fine, Tim. It's not a problem. Uh, what right. I did was uh, I'm getting to the phase now where uh, I don't have to have a public uh, part of my um, career, if you want to think of it that way. Yeah. And part of being a professor is you have to be out there. You have to publish your research. You have to be in the public eye. I don't have to do that anymore. So I changed my, my Twitter name, and I still have my blog. And, uh, but my name's oh. not necessarily on it. You can find it if you, if you look for it. But uh, the Twitter I use to get news and whatnot and uh, occasionally talk to people like you, but it's not really a, a game for me of accumulating followers. If people are interested, that's great. They can follow the Siggy Zizzy. So, uh, All right. Anyway. That's fine. Okay. Well, you know, assuming we both make it through the week, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. I might be talking to you next week and be like, what the fuck, man? I, I – <laughs> I bailed out of society, and now I'm still. <laughs> or I may be like, or maybe talking. I might be like, yeah, yeah. By Tuesday, I was like, fuck this. I I went down to the bar. I can't. I can't do this, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, you'll <laughs> so break. We'll have an update on on that story as well. Yeah. So, uh, provided everything works out all right, let's let's pencil it in for. We'll do another one next week and kind of catch people up on, on what's going on. And and you know, hopefully we won't. You know, hopefully. If this turns into like a string of episodes, hopefully it's only like three or four, and then four weeks we'll be like, okay, well I guess it's over, you know. But I, <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Let's <laughs> let's hope that next week but, well, we what, can go. I guess hey. the point is, let, 
let's let's have a continuing dialogue. I'm, I'm down if you are to have a continuing dialogue here on this for the Banal of America listeners, uh, and we'll see where it goes, right? Yeah, yeah. I, we we hopefully will be talking next week. Like, wow, we dodged a bullet. You know, it's already blunted. I don't think that's going to be the case. And uh, um, you know, we'll have to see how that unfolds. They're always going to be interesting. So. All right. Well, thanks to everyone who tuned in. Uh, hopefully, you all learned something. Uh, I was saying to somebody in the chat room, this is. I don't know if I would want to call it fun, but like this may have been one of the, this one of the most engaged episodes or interviews I've done in quite some time because uh, these aren't just questions that I've thrown at you where I'm just sort of curious. Where it's like, what what do you think the Martians eat, or or, or like, <laughs> or you know, how many how many Bigfoot do you think could dance on a pin? I don't know. Uh, th- these are questions where it's like, okay, how do I make sure that I don't fall victim to this crazy thing? And and is this really as crazy as it sounds? Um, and it certainly seems to be the case. So uh, I want to thank you for doing this doing this program tonight, uh, and appreciate you. Uh, lending your expertise here for this ongoing conversation and you know hopefully uh we'll see where we're at going forward okay everybody be as careful as you can yeah folks uh wash your hands and you know you got to be diligent right now this is that's the that's the message be diligent and vigilant and uh yeah we'll talk to you all next week all right i gotta hit the off button here that's why I shouldn't end the show when I'm away from my desk. There we go.